history lesson lecture number 131, which is also our last. Uh, as we, uh, I know it sounds like a finish when we put it that way. The, uh, we, um, we started talking about, in the broadest of terms, the uh, end of days. Achri Siyomim, there are many names for it, also reflecting its ambiguity. Uh, Chazal, we said, sometimes make um, statements that are dialectically opposed one to the other. One, uh, one line of interpretation is that may be intentional. That human beings are probably not uh, best off knowing, having absolute certainty with regards to our end. Uh, since it all depends on tshuva, and we'll have to see exactly in what cocktail, in which, in which exact uh, combination, how that's going to work. So it's a tricky business. You're talking about, on the one hand, the Kaddish Baruch gives humanity freedom of choice, the chirachovshis. So that's, that's, that's a basic ingredient of, of, of humanity. Um, and uh, we, we, we can choose what we're supposed to do. On the other hand, um, you know, we know that we're supposed to be going towards some kind of finite end. How we get there uh, largely depends on ourselves. So then it will be kind of ambiguous how that will be. Part, it, it, in other words, it could follow any number of different scenarios. It certainly, it could be organized around two um, distinct scenarios. Um, Rabbi Zeira goes so far as to criticize Rabonim, who try to, the, the Gemara there says, it's all in Perichelic, we're going to talk a lot about Perichelic right now, uh, he, he, there are Rabonim who are Oisek in the end, in calculating the end, and he said, please stop preventing the end from coming. Because it was his understanding that insofar as you make calculations, you're actually pushing off the end. Ironically, because you would imagine people making calculations, people making the calculations, uh, I think with eye contact. Um, who make no, it's not. People who make calculations are kind of eager and would like the end to come sooner rather than later. So, of course, he criticizes this and says, please stop. It's one of the three things that, um, that come when they're not expected. Suddenly, when you're not looking, they can come, so a watched pot never boils, although, in, interestingly, a watched pot is not one of the three things cited in the Gemara. One of them is B.S. and Mashiach, becoming the Mashiach. The other two are unlikely combinations. You know what they are? Famous Gemara? The other one, it, one of the others is a Metzia, a lost object that you're looking for. You know those lost car keys? Where are the car keys? Right? And they only turn up when you stop looking. You put your hand in your pocket. Oh, there they are. Uh, and Akrav is the third. Scorpion, just when you weren't looking. You put on Chasmashal and person puts on a shoe and ouch, uh, when they're not expected. So, so too, we have to be constantly prepared. As, as the Pasuk will talk about in Chavakuk tells us every day, I wait for a variant of the Pasuk in Yeshaya as well. Um, remember we talked about prophecy too. The fact that you could have multiple prophets channeling similar ideas is not at all a contradiction or inconsistent with what we said. Hashem sends out prophecy. The individual, depending on his level of prophecy plus his personality, will channel that and interpret it in very different ways. We use the illustration of Yeshaya versus Yechezkel, Yeshaya being a man of the city, Yechezkel being from, the, uh, from a more isolated um, background, will experience the same phenomenon and channel it differently. The idea that I wait expectantly, everybody understands, um, but I don't, I don't force it. I don't, I don't uh, do more than, than, uh, understand, than, um, than wait eagerly for Kaddish Baruch to bring the end. And as we said, two general directions 
can emerge. We're either going up or down, is the way to look at it. Um, we could, in the, in, in, the, in the negative, we'll start with the negative, uh, we could descend to the depths of sin to the point that only when a Baruch takes mercy on us will he ultimately bring us back because nothing else is going to do it. Conversely, um, the suffering, you know, because that first negative path would entail a huge amount of suffering, what we call Chevle Mashiach, Chevle Mashiach, from borrowed, borrowing a metaphor from uh, the labor pains that a woman experiences during childbirth, uh, the same kind of feeling in, in anticipating the end, doesn't have to happen. I mean, I look back at uh, our nine children and the various births, and funny, I didn't find them painful well. <laughs> the, um, but relative to my, what my wife reports, and what was pretty evident, she being the trooper that she is, they weren't all created equal. There were some that were quite excruciating. None of them were exactly a picnic, but some were excruciating. Some were excruciating, and um, some were actually surprisingly quick and, and not so painful. And that would be a good metaphor for the very, various options open to Klal Yisrael. We could bring Geula through collective tshuva. Um, tell your friends and have them tell their friends uh, there's a good way out of this mess. Um, the Grah was very strong, and of course, this is not going to be a surprise to anybody here. The Grah and, and much of the Torah world, based on the Grah's inspiration, the Vilnagon's inspiration, emphasized, based on this Gemara, based on Gemara Baba Basra and elsewhere, that we actually can bring Ula most effectively by learning Tyra, studying Tyra. Because when you prepare yourself, when you prepare your Neshama, you know that. You, you, when you're learning Torah, unlike, let's say, a dry academic subject, or even an interesting academic subject, when you're learning Torah, you're learning life, so that so much is happening cosmically. Of course, you're taking in information, but so much more is happening. Do you realize that every time you sit down and you have a Gemara Seder, your personality changes, your whole outlook changes in sometimes obvious ways, but usually many subtle ways that you don't even realize, mystically. Things are changing in you and actually reverberating out in outward concentric circles to the world at large. So the Gra understands that if individuals sit down and learn Taira, that's how you have to realize it's so terribly important. And of course, many people do that. Uh, you know, it's not for nothing that the rabbis here put an emphasis on Shana base, because if you, I mean, clearly having another year of Torah is valuable, but we understand too, based on really clear, obvious, uh, you know, evidence about what happens to people after they leave yeshiva, uh, plus it, it just the people. The, what we see, facts on the ground, is that people who have more of an intense immersion in Torah are much more likely to lead lives in Torah, to have serious Torah careers, which is what we wish for you, for your own good, for everybody, and for and, and by extension for all of Klal Yisrael. We think this is our small way of trying to make a difference in the world. So if more people are learning Torah. Uh, develops this idea in Evan Shlema. You could read similar ideas in the Beis Halevi, the Chafetz Chaim, and you name a Musra Sefer, it's, 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 it's going to come up. The, good, just in time. We're, we're end, ending, ending days. My wife, my wife baked for the occasion. Yeah. The, um, which is highly ironic, because at least according to, there'll be, there's a whole strand in the Rishonim that we won't be eating in the end of days. So, okay. I guess we'll be following the Rambams. Uh, we're, we're obviously Rambam. My no is here. No food? <laughs> Much better. Much better, much sweeter. Although, although I don't know if it's quite as sweet as my wife's. I think it's 
This is the, we are, these are really good. I can't eat paper. Chocolate, chocolate oh, peanut butter squares. Oh, I want, I want, I want now. What? You want now. Stay tuned. Okay. Uh, the Marsha tells us that if we merit, the Gaula will be as joyous as finding an Aveda, like we saw before, like finding the lost object. If it's not, if it doesn't come quickly, it'll be as harsh as a scorpion sting giving some parshanut on the Gemara I quoted a few minutes ago. Uh, we remember that if a, pers a person should always wait for Mashiach, but be careful to keep that balanced. If you do it too much, if you pine too excessively for Mashiach, uh, the Gemara tells us that you delay his coming. Um, you remember the generations, Amram's generation, and then Shuselech ben Ephraim miscalculated the exodus from Egypt. Dinai miscalculated before the second, the first temple was destroyed, and of course, famously, Bar Kokhba miscalculated, plus our many and sundry um, non friends, the false messiahs from Abu Isa back in Persia, all the way infamously to uh, Yashka, all the way infamously to Shabtai Tzvi and Nasan of Gaza, Aza, and, and their ilk. Um, Rav Katina has a very important central statement in the Gemara. It's, you should know this, you should look this up eventually. It's in Sadi Zain Amud Aleph at the bottom in Sanhedrin. Um, Rav Katina, based, on, based clearly on the Pasuk in Yeshaya, near the beginning of Yeshaya, says that the world as we know it will last a total of six millennia. The number's a little bit fuzzy exactly how we calculate and where that is, but don't know, coming soon. About six millennia. Then the world as we know it, Rav Katina says, is going to be destroyed. Then there's going to be a Biasa Mashiach. That will last a thousand years. Others question this amount of time. The Rashba, remember the great Rashba, one of the great Rishonim, comments on this Kamara and points out, interestingly, Leisman the Polik. Nobody seems to take on Rav Katina. It seems, that's what Rashba says. Uh, others point out that a couple of later in the Gemara, there is a Tana and two Amorayim who seem to argue, seem to indicate otherwise, that maybe this is not the way it's going to pan out. Um, there are many, the Raidman, the Ramban, the Barbanel, who understand this Gemara literally, that will, the entire world as we know it will indeed be destroyed. Goals. Well, they get, get stuff from us. Okay? Um, the world will revert to a state of tovavo, of utter chaos, as it was at the time of Briyasa Olam. Um, others, like Rabbeinu Bachi and others, say it's going to be less than total. Others say that it's completely metaphorical, that none of this will happen, of course. Who's in this camp? Rambam, Meiri, and others. Said it's a metaphor, that there's going to be some putative kind of destruction, but not literal that the world as we know will not change and certainly will not be destroyed. But if we're talking about the end of days and we're talking about the, the many different, sometimes contradictory uh, statements and descriptions, this has to be factored in. Rav Katina's statement, he's, 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 part, he's a central part of the discussion and therefore a central part of the literature, subject to much commentary. Um, in fact, the Zohar, plus elsewhere, the Gemara Rosh Hashanah, talks about it like in the same terms, that Mashiach will come no later than 6,000 years, no later, notice, 
than 6,000 years after the world was created, well, but ostensibly much five, earlier. Six, seven, five. Five, seven, Okay, but, but conceivably much earlier, and based on the Gemara, some of the calculations uh, say the Mashiach can come no earlier than 4,173 right, or something it. like that. Let's keep going. Okay, so, so in other words, it could have come had we been worthy, and we still could be worthy. It's not too late for any generation. Uh, if we're worthy, so it can come ahead of time. The Pirkei uh, de tells us There'll be six eons, six units of time for, and here's the ambiguity, ambiguous language. There's going to be a going in and a coming out. There's going to be war, there's going to be peace. And then the seventh eon, the seventh unit of time, if you want to say that's a, a millennium, so many understand as a millennium, but not necessarily. Of course, the, the, the metaphor is pretty obvious. The seventh is the, is the Shabbos. You said eon and millennium both a thousand years. Okay, could be. Could be others understand it differently. Um, and then after Shabbos, in this cosmic sense, um, the rest of time, the eternal, there'll be eternal rest for the living, the good days. The Zohar says that the redemption of the Jews will come about through a mystical force through the letter Vav, which indeed is six, indicating the sixth millennium. Happier those who will be left alive at the end of the sixth millennium in order to enter the Shabbos, which is the seventh millennium. This day is designated by Kaddish Baruch Hu to affect the union of the souls. The new souls are going to unite with the old souls in the world. Abstract big ideas. Yesterday we did a lot about Gogo Magog and about the more... Um, let's say, this worldly understanding of how this is, is going to transpire. I'm introducing today a lot of the much more abstract um, issues involved with the coming of the Mashiach. And if the sum total of the result is that you're left confused, then I've done my job well. Because that's how inescapably people feel when you finish like you don't re You're much more knowledgeable. Certainly themes emerge. And certainly our role in this becomes much more pronounced. I mean, I, I don't know about you, I personally feel very activated by this. Okay, now let's do something. There was a time last year that um, everybody who's ever taken my history class, which hasn't been so many years, I think it was, this is the sixth year, so it was five years, everybody who had ever taken my class happened to be in Orsamea. And I don't credit this class with causing that. I think this class attracts a self-selected group of people who are pretty serious. But um, what it does say to me is that if you've been through, as we have collectively lived through, re-experienced vicariously all of Jewish history, it changes you. It makes you more connected. And it makes your own sense of self-involvement, your own sense of responsibility. You, you feel like, okay, I have to do something. I'm the next step. With all these great generations that preceded me, okay, I'm not much, fair enough, but I'm what there is. I have to do my part. The Gemara, as we discussed yesterday, gives many signs of the coming of the Mashiach. As we say, the Gemara says the date, the exact date, is ultimately unknown to us. Um, again, there's a preordained date. Again, the Gemara says, ultimately unknown. Uh, we have a famous debate whether tshuva is a prerequisite. Um, 
Marsha says that even Rabbi Yeshua agrees that it, even if the Geula in the end we get so pathetic and the Geula is forced on us because of our suffering, he's of the opinion, I should have said, Rabbi Yeshua is the one who says, no, you don't have to make tshuva. Meaning, Hashem will bring it inevitably. Rabbi Eliezer says it's a prerequisite. Based on Rabbi Eliezer, the implication is that if we don't make tshuva, there may not be a Geula. But Rabbi Yeshua says, no, there's going to be a Geula, Hashem promised. But even Rabbi Yeshua, who says that Hashem will bring about the Gula regardless, he says even if he, bring, if he forces it on us, it'll be, there'll be a kind of tshuva, it's less than ideal. You know the definition of tshuva gemura? There's different levels of tshuva. What is the definition of tshuva gemura? Having the same situation. Exactly. When you're in the same situation, and then you control your Yitzhahara and overcome the, the, the temptation, that's a higher level of tshuva. That's why an older person often is incapable of tshuva gemura because they're not the same as the, the, the desires are not heated in them as much as they were. They also have the wisdom of years and the perspective and the emotional maturity that they, that whatever they do, whatever they withstand, withstand the temptation to sin, it's not as big of a deal. And the same thing could be said about Rabbi Yeshua's version of tshuva. Obviously, we're looking for the best kind of tshuva that we can come up with. Um, Rambam says, because Chazal have no, give no clear, absolute signs, lots of little signs, like the things we said yesterday, but nothing absolute. He says, therefore, it's a very important piece of wisdom, people should not focus on them. He says, interpreting them is not a tenet of our faith. If people never attend this class, they can still be excellent Jews. You don't need this. I think it's very helpful to give you, to give you um, motivation and inspiration to know that we're going towards a finite end. But he says, knowing this and deepening yourself in it is not a requirement to be a good Jew. It doesn't really, he doesn't believe it strengthens Abbas Hashem, loving God. He doesn't think it necessarily strengthens Yeres Shemai. If you learn the Torah, that should do that. That, sh that should do all of the above. So then he says, what should our attitude be? One should rather, as we said, wait patiently uh, and keep learning. The Pasuk we referred to in Chavakuk, V'yafeach laketz v'lo yechazev im ismama chakelo kivo yavo lo sa'acher. If you um, anticipate the end, you will not be disappointed. Even if it tarries, wait for it. It will certainly come. It will not be late because it's going to come exactly at the right time whenever that should be. Um, Kakilo, of course, indicates, we said this earlier in the class, lo, gematria. Uh, 36. Indeed. And of course, kakilo, there will always be 36 at any given time, 36 righteous people in the world, sustaining the world in every generation until Mashiach should come. That's the Rambam. And that's his attitude towards the, the, how we should be in waiting for the Mashiach. Others disagree. The Ramban, the Barbanel says the prohibition is against making definitive predictions. The problem there is very straightforward. If you make your definitive prediction and it doesn't turn out, then a person can lose all of his faith. You remember what Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky said to the man in Toronto, everyone to keep Shabbos if the Rebbe, if the Ilbavitcher Rebbe was Mashiach, and he says, no, no, no. That, that you could lose all of your amuna if, if it turns out, and, and, and as he understood that the Mashiach lo omed lavo is not imminently going to come. The, the Rebbe is certainly not Mashiach, uh, he said. So, so uh, that's the danger. 
But the Ramban felt, and the Barbanel and others feel, that um, a general search for the end is allowed. And indeed, we find this practice common among many Rishonim and Achronim, the, the Vilnagon among them. Uh, we said, as, we said as well, Mashiach can come at any time. The generation has to be ready. Um, remember the story we told this one, the Gemara talks about Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi met Mashiach, and he said, when are you coming? And Mashiach said, Hayom, today. So he goes back to Eliyahu Navi and he says, Mashiach lied to me. He said he was coming today. And the answer was, he didn't lie to you. He is ready to come. And you remember how in that Gemara, he, unlike the other people with Saras, who are, address, who are dressing all of their wounds simultaneously, he only dressed his wounds one at a time, so he's ready to wrap it up real quickly in case at any moment he was summoned and asked to come. Mashiach now, he too is waiting in anticipation at any moment the time could come. Um, but we have to be ready. We have to be worthy of his coming. If we're not worthy, as we said, the negative direction, he'll come as a humble man riding a donkey. That's where that donkey metaphor comes from. That's the negative version. That also is not inevitable. It doesn't have to be the donkey. <laughs> if, he, if we do merit, it'll be the metaphor is im shmaya. It'll come with the clouds, the heavenly clouds of glory. Now, as we said into the mix, Eliyahu Navi is supposed to come a day earlier, whenever this is. Um, of course, there's another idea that if Geula should come earlier than anticipated, then Eliyahu and Mashiach might come simultaneously. That's indicated in the Gemara. I didn't mention this either. There's Mashiach ben David, but there's an earlier Mashiach ben Yosef, who's going to come and he's going to die a spectacular death and he'll be the uh, precursor to the final Messianic era there'll be a really good feast. And I, you might enjoy my wife's um, chocolate peanut butter squares, but the um, big feast of the day, the day to come will be <laughs> the Leviathan. Right, the Taninim, the great fish. We, we and the Taninim are just the... Well, that's, that's, that's used interchangeably. What about the... There's going to be a big duel. A big duel. But he's probably not kosher the land. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the big tzaddikim are going to be eating it, and they only trust no, the no, top hekshare no, hekshareim. No, but regarding the, our message of Leviathan, he's kosher because it's a sea animal. I see. The big, the big, uh, the big behema. No, it's the fifth parak of Baba Basra talks about these these themes also um, at length, but not without uh, not leaving the student with great clarity. I Meaning, there's going to be some kind of feast that's going to transpire. Um, as we said, there's going to be a big war, there's going to be a revival of the dead, or really a couple of revivals of the dead, and the final redemption, in some ambiguous sequence. In one order or another, these things are going to take place. Um, Rambam, based on Shul, says this period is finite. It'll last for a thousand years. Uh, the Gemara describes this as a time where there's no death, but then there's a contradiction. Apparently people do die. But there was just the wicked, but even they die as youth. But in those days, the youth live over 100 years. Um, finally, according to the Rambam, after this world is exhausted, there will be a period called Olam Haba, which we'll get to uh, at the very end of the discussion. Um, what about this Tiyas What's the rival of the dead? Well, Rav Sa'adji Gaon, 
in Emuna Videos, in his great book of philosophy, says that the dominant view of the revival of the dead is that it will take place at the time of the Bias Mashiach, when the Messiah comes, suddenly the dead will come back to life. Um, there are others who disagree, based on the Gemaras, and they say, no, Tchisim is coming at the very end of this period, whether it is a thousand years, whatever the period is, it's only going to come at the end. Uh, the Ritva seems to hold like that, Sefri Karim seems to hold like that. Um, Rambam comments on it, he says he's not sure one way or the other. He doesn't think that the Gemara is compelling, makes a compelling case that it's going to be at the beginning or the end. Others, like the Yad Raman, the Red Baz, the Ramchal, cite a Messiah that they're going to be two, as we keep saying, two revivals. One early on, for the big tzaddikim, they get, they get like, they get the, I guess, front seat and early, early admission kind of a thing. And then a second Tchiyasamesim at the end of the sixth millennium for the Day of Judgment. We call it Yom Hadin. Well, let's comment on Yom Hadin. Hayom Hadin Hagadol Vahanoira, the awesome Day of Judgment. On this day, we're told in the Gemara that everybody will be judged to determine their relative merits and demerits. Um, as Rav Hutner tells it, it tells us in the Pachad Yitzchak, a random slice of your life, of your life, slice of your life, will be held up for inspection uh, to determine the quality of your neshama. Just hope it's not one when you're on your phone. Um, the uh, Abarbanel argues that since we've, it's a pro, see, Abarbanel has, has a, I always get it, don't I? The um, he says, he's got a kasha. He says, but doesn't this take place every year on Rosh Hashanah anyway? Like, what's going to happen to that Yom Adin that won't have already happened by the Yom Adin that we experience every year? And he says, what's that? Well, he says like this. He says, we are judged then. Um, and then again, we're judged at death. But there's a third time. There are three events. Three meaning, the first being every year in Rosh Hashanah, that's all collectively one. The second is at our death. But there's this third deen. Um, he says, it's a day of reckoning when all the books will be open to read the sentence before it's actually implemented. Meaning, effectively, our deen is determined at death in terms of the quality of the life and what we accomplished in this world it'll simply be reopened on that final day of judgment, according to the Abarbanel's reading, um, in the final day of implementation. Hold the thought for just a moment. Um, Rav Aaron Cutler says that at death, we're only judged for what we achieved during our lifetimes, whereas in the third version, at Yom Adin, the whole package is factored in, including our legacies. You remember like if you write a Sefer in Taira and people learn the Sefer after you die, that all gets factored in and for some, they actually become a totally different person. People saying Kaddish, people learning Gemaras in your, in, in your name, if you, if you inspired another person to become religious in your lifetime and they wound up impacting the world. All that gets factored in. That means that the final Yom Adim is actually could be far different, especially for the Beit Zedekim. Um, then the, 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 the Yom Adin, the, the, the judgment that took place at death. Yeah. Would the final one also take in uh, Gehenna? Like take in all Sure, the, what we uh, went through, it per when we, when our, our sins were purged, so for sure that's factored as well.
Rambam says <coughs> that the best pasuk anticipating the revival of the dead comes from Daniel. <coughs> it's the most explicit. Um, I'm going to translate into English. It's hard because it's in Aramaic. Many of those who sleep in the dust, in the dusty earth, will awake. These for an everlasting life, and those for shame and for eternal abhorrence. Indicating <coughs> from this pasuk, and there are many, many other psukim that indicate the Tchiasamesim, Az Yoshir Moshe Esashir Azos, then Moshe will sing in the future tense the song of the sea that we say every morning in Shachris, but it's in the future tense, <coughs> and as such is understood to be uh, about the end of days. <coughs> but there are many, many others. This, this Pasuk in Daniel is singled out as the most explicit and pay attention to it for a moment because it does indicate that everybody's coming back but not everybody's exactly happy to do so. Some are going to <coughs> have shame and eternal abhorrence. What happens according to the Barbanel is the wicked will arise to witness their ultimate downfall which is the worst punishment that they can imagine because they're going to simultaneously see what all the righteous are going to get they're going to see what could have been open to them as well, and they're not going to get that. Um, Rambam argues, he says, no, the final Kriya is only for the Tzadikim, and then he has to reconcile the Gemara, the, the Pasuk in Daniel. <coughs> What's that? I don't have that in front of me. Ayin Sham, go look it up. If you want a reference, the Pasuk appears as discussed in the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Sadi Beis Amud Aleph. And he speaks about it in Perak Chelek, in his introduction to Perak Chelek. He does. The Rambam has quite a lot on Perak Chelek, and that's where he dis discusses it in depth, as does the Ramban. And the um, um, last section we'll discuss right now is the different views then of how all this is going to unwind, and I've already kind of I've given you a little bit of um, uh, up, uh, preamble to this. The Rambam's view and the Ramban's view. The Ramban is the more accepted, common view, but the Rambam is very well known and, 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 and cited. So let's consider both of them. <coughs> the Rambam, you can look this up in Hilchos Malachim. He actually brings this, this is telling, he brings it in the Yad Chazaki, in the Mishnah Torah itself, as part of Halacha part of a person's general worldview to follow and will take place. Very practical, hands-on, here and now. Under the son of David, under the Mashiach, the base of Mikdash, as we discussed yesterday, will be rebuilt. Am Yisrael <coughs> will return to Eretz Yisrael. Makes sense. Makes sense. The mitzvahs will all have been restored to their prior, prior level. Shemitah will be the Ereisa. Trumos and Maisos will be the Ereisa, all as anticipated in the lofty days. What was the lost, loftiest time in history before we got to this point in history? Shlomo. Say it louder? Shlomo. Shlomo and, and the late days of David. David and Shlomo. Or 613, so we'll get Tchelis back? Oh, for sure we'll get Tchelis back. Yeah. Remember, we, we mentioned this. Why do you think that the, in the Mizrahi world they're so eager, and with, and with the best of intentions, to restore Tchelis, they want to bring this now by their own hands. And there'll be Tachash too, or no? Tachash was not, in, not intrinsic. That was for the Mishkan, not clearly needed for the base of Mikdash afterwards. So not clear that it'll come back, but who knows? 
Mashiach is a figure we know wiser than Shlomo. He's a Navi whose greatness approaches that of Moshe, doesn't supersede Moshe. Uh, as we said yesterday, he will inspire all humans to worship Hashem together. The Chasim Sofer of Chaim Vital commented in every generation a great tzaddik exists who actually is a candidate for the job, who's actually ready for the final redemption. The problem will be in all these other generations, like with Moshe's, like in the case of Moshe himself, that um, uh, the generation isn't always ready and the person himself is not aware that he's destined to be Mashiach. Remember, Moshe himself was caught off guard by the snare. I'm sorry, me? I'm heavy in speech. I don't think I'm the man for the job. Mashiach will be a figure like this who is not looking for the glory or the limelight. Unlike, unlike today's uh, opportunist uh, people who, who uh, want to be, be the one, it's not the person who, um, who asserts himself. Um, another reason why many of the people, including the modern era, who've asserted themselves to be Mashiach are, are, are often, because of that, the least likely candidates. There's a rejected opinion that holds that we actually had Mashiach. His name? Chizkiyahu HaMelech. Um, the Gemara says very harsh things about him. Um, and then what does it mean? that He holds it'll be an end of days, but that there wouldn't be a Mashiach per se. It would pan out. Amisir would simply be worthy, but again, it's an opinion that's ultimately rejected. Ramam continues, what's, gonna be, what's it gonna be like in this time? In this time, there's gonna be neither hunger nor war, nobody's going to be jealous, there's going to be no competition, we're all going to be in it together. Um, I think all of, the, all of this makes it particularly uncinematic. I mean, there's no dramatic conflict, no war, no bloodshed, no war, you mean, you know, no, no basic competition, how boring. Well, apparently not. Apparently we won't be bored, because our, only our, basic inst- our baser instincts are attracted to jealousy and war and competition. Um, we also, like in Gan Eden, will, will only have to make a minimal effort in worrying about any physical needs. Um, the wicked Goyim will be serving us, among other things, as indicated by the Gemara. So the um, idea that you have to go out and slave for, uh, make, for, for, for bringing home bread, the bread will come home. And people, therefore, will be free to, be, to focus on more spiritual occupations. In fact, People will lead very long lives, said a total of a thousand years, uh, and the whole world will be occupied in one, the most profound and endless uh, occupation, which is the acquiring knowledge of Hashem. And of course, here you're able to cite Psukim from Yeshayahu, Yirmiyahu, Yechezkel, Ovadi, Zachariah, et al. I mean, the whole, everybody's talking about this period. He says famously, do not think that in this era that the current reality will cease. He explains, for example, supernatural miracles like the wolf lying with the sheep. Uh, these are metaphors. That the, what it means, he understands, is Jews will live securely with the wicked nations. That's we're the lamb next to the wolf. Um, Rived, right there on the spot, completely dis- uh, disagrees and, and brings counterproofs. But I'm, I'm giving you the Rambam. We'll get to the other side, the other, the other way of understanding this. He explains all, this, all these subjects metaphorically. Shmuel does the same in the Gemara. Rabbi Yochanan in the Gemara disagrees with Shmuel. It, when the Kesef Mishnah, Rabbi Yosef Karo, comments on this in the Rambam, he leaves, he leaves the matter, Tzarech Iyun. 
this needs a little bit more work. He's not so clear. Even though the, we know the Rav Yosef Karo, much of the Shulchan Aruch is written verbatim from the words of the Rambam, but in this matter, he's not so, he's not so persuaded. So the Rambam seems to follow Shmuel. We can call this the rationalist school if you want to give it a label. Uh, that it'll really be like, it'll be the same. The only difference, of course, is that we can sit and learn and be preoccupied by Hashem. How does he say that we have long lives? What's that? How does he say that we have longer lives, better medicine? Yeah, that could be explained rationally. We did once. He doesn't deny that. I mean, that's, that's certainly clear. The, no, not better medicine. The world itself will be conducive. You remember what happened with the Mabul? Uh, you know, the world became, the, 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 the world tilted and so on, but that was all the result of human sin. Once we've done shuva for the sin, it'll be as if the sin will be eradicated. Food will then again be perfectly nourishing. Disease will, re- will, disease will uh, recede into the background. It won't, won't happen. Right, but he said it's the exact same world without. Yes. There must be donuts. I mean, you know, we're talking about Mashiach. No, but he said it's the same world, like the same reality. What if people don't like fish? Probably wouldn't be giant fish. The same reality amplified and made better, and that's still conceivable in that reality. Rabbi Yochanan in the Gemara says otherwise. He's not like Shmuel. He holds, I'm quoting, All the prophets, they all prophesied, prophesied for the days of Messiah. They only prophesied for the days of Messiah. With regards to the world to come, the human eye has never beheld it and can't conceive of it. Based on this, the Rambam says in Hilchos Tshuva, everything we said heretofore all deals with this world, Yomosa Mashiach, that's in one category. According to the Rambam, Olam Haba is everything else, and there's nothing to say, there's nothing to discuss. Ayin lo ra'asa, no human eye has and presently can behold it. We can't properly comprehend Olam we can only distort it by beginning the discussion. And even the Nevim give no analogy, lest by giving an analogy they diminish it. When we talk about the Rambam leaves it in a very simple, the tzaddikim will sit and bask in the ziv of the shechina, will, will sit and in the, uh, the, the radiant light, the real light, the oregonos that in the end of days will come back again, the hidden light that was hidden away after the thir- first 36 hours of creation, I will come back and they'll bask in the ziv of shechina. And I remember teaching this Hilchas um, Tshuva during on Yom Kippur this year, and one person's very genuine, off-the-cuff reaction was, "That sounds dreadful," because what he's doing is he's projecting our physical needs and reality, and it's it's a variation of what you joked before. What no Dunkin' Donuts? But apparently, the Zebra Shlita is going to be far better than the Dunkin' Donuts. It's going to be that whole sugar blast multiplied by by a billion. Sounds a little shaky. Not everybody accepts the Rambam. I'm going to cite the Ramban in Shara Gmul in his, in his great classic work, Shara Gmul, as probably the major um, other protagonist for the other for the other view. There are others who disagree as well. But I'm, we're going to leave it with we're going to, I'm going to leave it as a machlokus Rambam Ramban. The Ramban in the last chapters of Shara Gmul says differently. He has big caches in the Rambam. He says. Not like this. Again, the Rambam, Yemosa Mashiach, no real change, our physical reality, uh, you know, plus a little bit better, and then Olam Haba, totally different realm of 
existence. Ramban says when Chazal refer to Olam Haba, they do so, and it's a little ambiguous, but they actually mean Biasa Mashiach. These terms are used interchangeably. Well, that's a radically different approach. He rejects the Rambam's view that this area will last several hundred uh, generations until everyone dies, and then the Neshamas will return to Olam Haba. He rejects that approach. He actually asks it as a kasha. He said, what is the purpose of reviving the dead only to kill them all off, like, off again? I don't know if you remember the Agadita, uh, Rabbi Yochanan uh, accidentally, unintentionally, well, he, doesn't, he, he misunderstands what Rav Kahana was doing. Remember this Agadita? It's in um, Baba Kama. Um, and he thinks that Rav Kahana, who had outsmarted him in sheer, was laughing at him when really he had something that was probably like a cleft lip. And so he... Well, he does the logical thing under the circumstances. He stares at Rav Kahana and kills him. And then he brings him back to life. And uh, there's a question about, you know, coming to Shear again. Rav Kahana, you want to come back to Shear? And Rav Kahana says, I don't know if I want to repeat the experience, thanks very much. We also saw famously that by the Purim Suda of Rav and Rav Zera, right? Same thing where Rav got, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, um, a little bit over out of hand, and he, and he, and he well, that's the logical thing under the circumstances, and he kills up Rabbi Zera, and then invites him, and brings him back to life, and then invites him the next year, and he says, you know, not every year a miracle happens. Ramban says, why kill us off to bring us back, to kill us off to bring us back? I mean, Ramban asks a similar question against the Nazi, what's the deal about the second coming? From the same, the same line, what, what, what is that about? Where do we see a precedent? Where do you see the prophets ever talking about that? And the answer is there is no precedent for such an idea. He says, rather, the ultimate reward is the messianic era itself. The ge'ula that we anticipate that we're describing is Biasa Mashiach, is Olam Haba. He feels the Rambams confuse the concept of Olam Haba with a different concept, what's referred to as Gan Eden. Gan Eden, which actually is also mentioned in Perichelic as something that's unknowable, unlike the Gan, excuse me, there's Aden and then there's the Gan in Aden. He's referring to Aden. Aden is unknowable. The Gan is where the, the garden there somewhere is where Adam and Chava were. But the, the Aden is this upper chamber. The best definition is where the Neshamos reside before being revived in the time of the, uh, of the Geula. And that indeed is definitely unknowable. And he feels that the Ramba, Rambam's confused Olam Haba with this concept. But he says it's really all one concept. Olam Haba and the Mashiach is all the same. You're going to say, Daniel? Gan Eden is a physical place on this one. Gan Eden, yeah, that's an extension. That the Gemara renders in terms we can understand. Eden is something that's beyond us. So what is Olam Haba according to the, 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 the Ramban? This is the final and ultimate stage of transcendence. Doesn't go from there. <coughs> and it represents, therefore, a radical transformation of the world, no Dunkin' Donuts included. He understands literally, not metaphorically as the Rambam does, the many, many statements in the Navim and then, of course, in Chazal about, about the different state of affairs. And you don't have to explain them away. No, apologet no apologetics. Um, what will we survive on? How will we live? What will we eat? Spiritual sustenance will replace physical nutrients. We won't need physical, uh, physical anything. Then indeed this resembles much more what Gan Eden was like. This reality. 
he bases himself on a statement in Rav and the Gemara Brachos. The neshama is going to ascend over the goof. But interesting, get this idea. It's a subtle idea. The goof is going to exist. The neshama is going to remain in the goof, but in a different capacity. We described in the beginning of this class when if we could time machine back to Gan Eden and look at Adam Arishon, what would be immediately evident about Adam Arishon was his nish- would be his neshama. It's shown. If you looked really hard with all your might, you might also be able to make out his physical body. Today we have the opposite reality, where you look and you see the physical, and only if you try with all your might can you perceive the Tzalem Elohim in a person's eyes, the divine spark, the spirituality. But Adam was pure spirituality, and we will all have that quality of being pure spirituality in Bias HaMashiach, in Olam Haba, according to the Ramban. And there will be a body. And then Shama will simply ascend over it. We have precedent for this. Where in history, big bit of a history test, where in history do we have precedent for this? With the Shama and the body? Eliyahu Navi. His ongoing existence, his transformation is a precedent. Before Eliyahu Navi, even more famously and basically. More than that guy. No, 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 go back to Khalam. Moshe Rabbeinu at Harsinai. Oh, with his body. He subsists without food. With his light arms? I'm saying that there was no food. There was, it was a superhuman existence in the physical body. He says, these are precedents for what our existence going to, will be like. We won't need the physical. It'll, it'll, it'll appear to us as nonsensical, the physical limitations. We have super strength. Well, more like this. Not that we'll have super strength. The body... Will be will will. Listen, this gets very abstract. He says like this: the body is not just going to be pro forma. It's not just a physical shell. Actually, the body will ins- will become a heightened spiritual mass, something that we can't perceive right now. It itself will be, in the way we refer to Kaddish Baruch Hu, is having we do the Chazal do this anthropomorphically, having eyes and hands, Yad Hashem, and so on. There's some ultimate concept of the body being this ultimate source of spirituality. The body itself will take on such a guise, such such a concept. Um, But there will not be any of the banal, mundane aspects. There's no digestion. There's no reproduction. None of that exists anymore. Of course, he proves this. He says, Hashem creates everything for a purpose. Nothing is in vain. Therefore, it has to be that the body will exist in an ideal spiritual state, one that we can't fathom, only one that's, brin- that, that's briefly glimpsed in our present reality when we keep the mitzvahs and every now and then, when, it, when are opportunities that we can glimpse what this will be like, we talk about Shabbos Kodesh as me'en olam haba, as a taste of the world to come. A man and, his, and, and a woman in marriage in the, ultimate, in the ultimate spiritual sense of what marriage is have a taste of what ultimate vacus is. Um, when we perform any mitzvah and we do it l'shem shemayim and there is a spark, there's a lift, there's an internal simcha that, that, that picks us up, that is a taste of the world to come. That's pretty central machlokis. I'll conclude with two, with two, uh, two closing points. One is the Rambam Hilchos Malachim who concludes with a vision that in this case is compatible with the Rambans. A little repetition, but uh, worth, worth, worth coming around.
the Nevi'im and the Chachamim, the prophets, the, the, the wise people, didn't desire Yemos Mashiach. The goal was not to rule over the whole world. The goal was not to oppress the nations, not to take vengeance or any of the above, or to be elevated uh, over the non-Jews. The goal was not to eat, drink, and rejoice. It's very distinct from the, the Muslim, Muslim promise of, uh, of their very physical world to come. No, he says, the goal of world to come is to be free for Taira, the Chochmosa and its wisdom, without anything to distract. The only matter of interest will be to know Hashem, the Chachamim, according to their relative abilities, and now's the chance that we can rack it up, um, will finally perceive the deep and hidden secrets that we all crave. That's our deepest longing. We confuse our longing, I'm adding, we confuse our longing in the worst sense with mundane physical things, human intimacy, um, banal things, food, kayaking, I don't know what. Uh, right? In other words, we, we confuse our longings, but really at the core, if we trace our desires to their roots, we'd find that really all we want is this unity with Hashem, to understand the deep and hidden secrets of the universe, the ultimate knowledge. Final source I'll close with, with the Navi Yeshaya. Vahaya, this is the famous second chapter. I've already alluded to this, but here, here will be our final words for, uh, for our discussion for the time being, to leave us with a sense of inspiration and purpose in our lives. We should take the history of the Jews and take it to the next level that we all have the capacity to do. The Navi um, teaches us and inspires us as follows. He says, It will be in the end of days. The mountain of the house of Hashem will be upright at the head of the mountains. Remember, all the world will, will, will become flat, will become a plain. Venisa mikvaot, it'll be elevated above all the hills. Venaharu elav, kolagoyim, and will like a nahar, like a river, will flow to him. All the nations of the world will flow to Hashem. Vahalchu amim rabim, and many nations will come. Vaamru luchu venaalel har Hashem, and they'll say, "Come, let's go, let's go up to the house of Hashem, el beis elokenu, elokei Yaakov, to the house of the God of Yaakov." Come, let us be instructed by his ways. Let's learn his ways. And we'll walk in his, in his, in his, in his footsteps. Because from Zion, uh, Torah comes out. And the word of Hashem comes from Jerusalem. And he'll judge among the nations. And he'll rebuke many nations. They'll crush their swords, turn them into plowshares. Vachanesosem the masmeros will turn their, their, their lances into pruning hooks. Loyis agoyel goycharev, nation will no longer lift up a sword against nation. Veloyomadu od milchama, they won't study the art of war. Beis Yaakov, lechuven elcha ba'or Hashem, the house of Yaakov will go up together in the light, the hidden light of Hashem.